Is this the year you want to grow your business? Do you want to expand your team? Build a new office? Hey, it's Tug, and I want to tell you about First Liberty Building and Loan. Aren't you exhausted by going to lenders, building a relationship, and a week later, you're dealing with a new person? You won't have to with First Liberty Building and Loan. The Frost family has been helping businesses grow since the 90s, and they can help you too. They know the patterns, they know the ebbs and flows, and they know business. Now the Frost family wants to know you. FirstLibertyGA.com. Buying a building, building a building, buying a franchise, or expanding. Reach out and spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a fit for them and if they're a fit for you. FirstLibertyGA.com. By the way, if you're a young banker and you want to work with a team that's faith-friendly with a culture of excellence, First Liberty might be a good match. Reach out to First Liberty Building and Loan at FirstLibertyGA.com. That's FirstLibertyGA.com. All year long. Now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. Hour two. Chuck Oliver Show. Appreciate everybody coming here for your college football conversation. Been doing this since the beginning of the 2014 season. And appreciate everybody making it your habit. Uh, two hours of college football talk with all the experts and insiders and guests and everything you want. So that's what that is. There is one, I'll say beyond argument, truth. And we're going to say capital T, okay? A beyond argument truth that another supremely talented player is choosing to ignore. Here is the truth. Playing quarterback is really, really hard. I believe it was Pete Carroll talking about, was it Mark Sanchez that was entering the draft and Pete Carroll's like, bad idea, play more college football. Was that him? That was him, yeah. A lot of people called Carroll selfish for saying only one year wasn't enough time to get prepared. Play more college football. Now, here's the thing. Pete Carroll could have absolutely been looking out for Pete Carroll. He also, that, I don't know that. Could have been. Could have been. He was selfish. What he said was true. Play a little more football, not a little less, before you make the jump in competition. And the jump from USC when Mark Sanchez made it, I, yeah, I always use that phrase, 33rd franchise. Go look who USC was putting in the NFL. Like, there's a guy, Lawrence Jackson a monster defensive end. I don't know. He's like the 10th best player on the team. Um, remember Taylor, was it, was it Taylor Mays, the big giant safety? Yep. TJ McDonald. Like they had cats running through that program that as freshman sophomore, you were like, God almighty. Like that was your official like coaching scouting report. God almighty. Uh, and then as juniors and seniors, Pete Carroll would be like, um, yeah, this 18 year old, he's better. He plays. And there was no portal. So, he said that about Sanchez and like he was almost on an NFL team. He was on like a really good Washington generals version. Like if they would go around and play, like they would have gotten hammered, but they would have kept it closer than anybody else. And Pete Carroll was right. He was like, stay man. You're kind of close to the NFL and you're not ready. Now here is the giant asterisk. Every athlete's different. Calvin Johnson, I saw him as a freshman in like his third game or second game. They were at, they were playing at Clemson, at Clemson, really good program. 
first-round NFL guys everywhere, and Calvin Johnson is an 18-year-old. At some point in the third quarter, they're like, let's just run to the pylon, and Reggie, you throw it to him. And that's what happened. Calvin Johnson, as a, he was at prom four months earlier, and now he's at Death Valley catching touchdown passes in maybe his second game ever. And it really became, just go to the pylon. We'll throw it up. You'll catch it. Okay. Folks, that's high school stuff. Now, that's a wide receiver. A quarterback, I will give you the disclaimer. Quarterback is just different. I've talked about coaching against Heinz Ward, and I'm watching the game tape, and I'm like, I don't know that they run. They did run plays. They were really well coached. But on tape, you're watching this, and it's like, looks like they kind of just snap it to this Heinz Ward kid, and he kind of runs around and does stuff. Um, because it was a Friday night, and in high school, if you're somebody like Heinz Ward, you can do that. I saw Eric Berry. I called the game. I was like, who's pregame warm-up? Who's that? Oh, well, that's Eric Berry. He does everything. I was like, oh, that's Eric Berry. Safety, quarterback, place kicker, return, whatever it was, Eric Berry's going to do it. So there's always that. Heinz Ward wasn't really a quarterback in college. He had some moments. Set a bowl game passing record, as a matter of fact, but he wasn't really a quarterback. Um, Eric Berry wasn't a quarterback. He's a guy who could play three years at Tennessee and like halfway through his freshman year, you're like, I think he's the best player on the team. Um, and then he was like a top 10 pick in the NFL. And other than being scared of horses, I think that's true. I really do. Other than that, like Eric Berry was the perfect NFL guy you wanted back in the secondary, but in high school he's a quarterback. So here is the asterisk. Quarterback is different at every level. Sometimes you're just magical and you can Johnny Manziel it on Saturdays or you can Patrick Mahomes it on Sundays. You're just a a wizard out there just doing stuff that we only imagine. But the beyond argument truth that Pete Carroll verbalized, playing quarterback is really, really hard. that's, That's what it is, man. That's side of the fridge sports rule. It's true. Now, here's the opinion. So when it comes to leaping in competition, do it later, not sooner. Or at the least, just do it on time, not early. Have you seen the story coming out of Carrollton, Georgia? Y'all know where Carrollton is? Carrollton is out in West Georgia. And their projected starting quarterback for the season and for next has decided that he's going to reclassify. Kid's name is Julian Lewis. He's been committed to Lincoln. He's a quarterback. He's 6'1", about 185. He's still growing. I mean, my gosh, he's 16 years old. He just got a driver's license. Been committed to Lincoln Riley for a minute. He has continued to consider Bama and Georgia and everybody he should. Michigan, Texas. Quarterback, Texas, yes, I'll consider you. I'm five stars. He's not just five stars, though. As a freshman in the state of Georgia, do this in Connecticut or Idaho, it's impressive. In Georgia? He's a freshman, took his team to the state title game. Um, He was then a sophomore this past year to 48 touchdowns. Um, He's only going to play this coming season, and then he's going to go to college. Now, quarterbacks can be transcendent sort of generational talents and i'm sure whatever tim tebow was doing on friday nights he was homeschooled but he 
Heath, didn't he play for like a real high school team? Yeah, he was allowed to play for Nice High. There's a rule that allows you if you're a homeschool kid but yes. you want to play athletics, so, he played for Nice. I'm assuming he was pretty good? He was fairly good at the football from what I understand. So you can do that if you're a quarterback, but isn't that mostly on Friday nights? And so now this five-star kid who I just texted a OG in the recruiting industry, I was like, Julian Lewis, is he going to be a different position in any way, anyhow? He's a wide receiver in Cotton. No, 100% quarterback. Julian Lewis, who was supposed to be in the 2026 class and among other rankings, 247 Sports, yesterday had him listed as the number one prospect in the class of 26. He has announced that this coming football season will be his last. He will reclassify to the 25 cycle, and then off to college he goes. Now, it's only gotten more difficult to qualify for things academically. Can I tell you how it was? And I went back to school. The earth was cooling. I I understand that. Um, It's not as difficult as you think to satisfy the academic requirements to graduate from high school early. It really isn't. Um, Also, if you have dual enrollment for things that you have to have four years of, you can either go to summer school, you can double up during the traditional year, you can have dual enrollment where you take English on a college campus and they say, yeah, that's good enough to satisfy, I don't know, the state of Georgia or Carroll Count or whatever. Yeah, you satisfy our curriculum requirements as well because you're on scholarship at Michigan now. And that's a good school. So it's not as difficult to do the academic thing. Now, it's pressure. It's pressure, especially for a kid who will be 16 when all this happens, and then he'll turn 17 as he is early enrolling wherever he goes. Here is, we're going to go back to the truth. Playing quarterback's really, really hard. Now, Pete Carroll said that, and I will glom onto him and say, Pete Carroll said it, so he must be right, and he was right. Might he also have been selfish? I don't know. He had pretty good quarterback after that. He had pretty good quarterback before that. He had all kinds of good quarterbacks, which is why he wasn't at USC anymore because of how they were getting them, allegedly. But he was right. It's really, really hard, especially when you leap in competition. So when I say do it later, not sooner, if you can get paid, Drake may... Don't take advantage of COVID and come back for another. No, go go away, man. Hit it. No more play for Drake May. I get that. Um, he would be more prepared with 12 or 13 or 14 more college games. I know he also could be more hurt. And this is a race to the second contract because – I want to say maybe it was Matt Stafford and Cam Newton and maybe there was a Sam Bradford thing. About 10, 12 years ago, that $75 million contract for the kid coming out of college, that got CBA'd out of the NFL. So the first contract, and I want to say maybe Cam was the last one, but around 11-12, at some point, the CBA changed. And so what you would have is a guy like Matt Stafford, his first contract with the Lions, he was getting paid more than all but like five quarterbacks already starting in the league. So it became, no, 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 we're going to restructure all this, and you're basically kind of slotted, which for the most part put it into holdouts. 
the only exceptions are that offset language when, well, if you cut me, I get to get another contract and I get to keep the bonus. So people squabble about that. But for the most part, you don't have holdouts anymore because it's all slotted. And it's all slotted at like a third of what it would be otherwise. So the players, this is the funny thing. College seniors or juniors don't get a vote. College veterans do. So what did they do? They're like, yeah, we, we vote for the veteran contract to be better. <laughs> College kids are looking around going, yeah, but I'm just about to be in the draft. Sorry. But your second contract, that's what you can really get paid. It will be raining in your house. And so it's a race to get to the second contract. And so getting into the draft a year or two early, well, folks, now it's a race to getting any kind of money. I saw where Julian Lewis, I don't know anything about him, couldn't pick him out of a lineup. I, he's right-handed, I think. And he's kind of a lanky kid. Do you know what I saw his name image likeness valuation? Well, you don't. His name image likeness valuation? I saw $475,000. If I was 16, I'd be, my sticky fingers would be out there grabbing every last dime of that as soon as possible. And if I'm 16 and I'm looking up at this, I'm like, it's January 16th right now. I've got a junior year coming up. One year from right now, I will be a week into classes at Auburn or Florida State or somewhere. I will be a week into classes with fat stacks. Wow. So I understand it. New sentence. Separate thought. He would. He's the number one kid in America. In two years, this year he might be one or two. He would be better off playing more football in Georgia and then playing more football at college and then getting to his first contract a little later. But that is not how they feel. All right. So that's what's going on. We're gonna take a quick break. Come back. Uh, continue with the conversation next. to Southern Sports Today and the Chuck Oliver Show. Rolling through a Tuesday on the Chuck Oliver Show. Nine states and 60 sticks. Been dealing out two hours of college football talk. Two hours a day, folks. Been dealing it out since the beginning of the 14 season. I appreciate that blessing. Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. Heavyweight championship belt. This announcement from the NFL, a lot of things are not what they used to be. Um, are we even aware now? Like, there's an announcement the NFL made yesterday that we used to stop and, like, all right, who's on the list? Underclassmen to the draft. <laughs> we are so locked in on the portal and coaching changes and everything else. They announced that yesterday. Not really much talk about it. Not in a lot of places. I would assume maybe Austin, Texas is different. They had some big names announced. A lot of them expected. Want to welcome on right now, co-host of Hook 'em Up. That's mornings on the horn in Austin. It's Rod Babers. Rod, welcome. How you doing, friend? I'm doing great. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, uh, we're going to talk NFL draft and player movement, et cetera, in just a minute. But let's talk coaching movement and the fact that it didn't happen in Austin. Steve Sarkeesian sent out a video. I'm staying. Uh, and then the announcement that he got four additional years and he got broke off crazy. Um, let me just ask you, bottom line, Rob, was Texas ever genuinely worried about losing Sark to Bama? Yeah, some fr- some fans were uh, worried about it. I was not. Um, and the reason I wasn't, I heard a great uh, story from Joe Clatt talking about how uh, Nick Saban at one time wanted Sark to be his successor. 
uh, and wanted Sark to stay there. And I think if Sark, you know, wanted to be the next head coach at Bama, stand on the shoulders of Nick Saban's greatness, uh, and then, you know, accomplish uh, great things in the SEC, I think he could have done that. I think Sark wanted to build his own legacy. I wanted to, he wanted to bet on himself, uh, and they both agreed that Texas is not a job you pass up on. So I think if he wanted to be the next head coach at Bama, he could have. I think he wanted to come to Texas, build something on his own. And with the program being ahead of schedule, I didn't think that was any way the big money boosters and donors at Texas were going to allow Sark to leave. All right, so Sark is returning. Um, Quinn Ewers is back. Are folks out in Austin, now again, I give everybody a pass. You're a fan. You're supposed to be a little cray. Um, are they thinking <laughs> we're going to do in year one what Texas A&M, those chumps in College Station never got done? We're gonna, we could be SEC champs in year one in the conference. Yep. It's already starting. Yeah, the cool they're drinking that Kool-Aid and they got a lot of sugar in that Kool-Aid to sweeten it up. Boy. But when you think about it, you know, the the biggest uh concern for Texas is really kind of replacing some of the skill positions, mostly their passing game. They've lost eighty percent of their passing game if you include X Man, A. D. Mitchell, uh, Jay Witt, J.T. Sanders, and Jonathan Brooks, all guys who are declaring for the NFL are exa- exhausted their eligibility. But you replace that now with Isaiah Bond, who is a guy that's the leading receiver for Alabama. You Obviously, you're well aware of him. Matthew Golden, really good receiver coming out of U of H as well. They got a young guy, Jontae Cook, who's uh, going to be a fantastic young wide receiver. He came in. He's young, um, but he's talented. And the upside of having a guy like uh, Ryan Wingo, five-star. So they got two five-stars, two four-stars that I think are going to end up being uh, in the circle of trust for Sark in that passing game. But Quinn Ewers returning, he's only got a few things to work on. I think he'll be a first-round pick next year if he can master a few things, getting deeper into his progressions uh, without erratic uh, footwork and without him staring and looking at the rush, keeping his eyes downfield, going through progressions. If he can improve on those things, I think he'll be a first-round pick. You return four of your five starting offensive linemen. That also is going to be a plus for Texas. My big concern would be how do you replace the starting defensive tackles, which may have been the best two D tackles in the country in Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy. And you had those guys in a rotation the last two years with Kendra Colbert and Moore Ojibo. That's going to be the biggest question mark going into a line of scrimmage league like the SEC. Rod, you ain't kidding about those two linemen. I mean, it's the kind of thing where, like, by the fourth quarter, it just sucks getting hit on. And, like, if you're an offensive <laughs> lineman and you're like, I've been getting beat on, it's hot, I just want a soft place to land. But you can't do that because you're an offensive lineman. Um, you're, the, and those, you never have enough. If you remember BC back in the day with uh, Ron Brace and B.J. Raji, I was like, it'll never oh, be yeah. like this again. Enjoy yeah. it. Right When you have a pair of them, it's different. Wrapping up, Rod Babers, co-host. Hook them up. That's Mornings a Horn in Austin. Uh, um, so let's talk about the passing game. And one quick word about somebody out the door. Why did it not work for Isaiah Nair? Because I thought they robbed it. Oh, they stole from the balls when they got Nair uh, as the transfer. Why didn't it work? Was it injuries? What was it? It was injuries. He was injured uh, early on his tenure here at Texas. But I pointed this out, too. Sark has a very tight rotation of wide receivers. He really doesn't go past three or four wide receivers in his rotation here at Texas. And if you can't crack that circle of trust, then you're going to be SOL. And Isaiah Nayura, once he was healthy, he couldn't crack that circle of trust. It was X-Man, A.D. Mitchell, and then Jordan Whittington. And maybe sprinkle in some Jontae Cook. And that's the same thing this season. It's going to be three or four guys. That seems to be Sark's tendency. He's not going to have a, a heavy rotation of wide receivers. But I think the passing game, actually, this season, um, it could end up being a passing game that could be a strength to them, even though they lost a lot. you got a lot of speed coming in with Isaiah Bond, Matthew Golden, explosive playmakers. Uh, so we'll see. Sark 
has a tendency uh, to build his schemes to be wide receiver friendly. That's why he can recruit so many good wide receivers. Last thing for you, um, I mean, everybody's got spots open. Uh, are they going to look to? They are going to look to add in May after spring practice. Uh, what do you think that yep. uh, Sark and the staff would want to add post spring practice? Uh, Sark says they're not done at wide receiver. Speaking of, uh, they're still okay. looking at a kid, a kid, Silas Bolden, out of Oregon State. They're still looking at him. They like uh, defensive back is also a position they're looking at. Jabbar Muhammad. Like, this is an interesting thing to think about, guys. You know they have the the thirty day window, right? Once mm-hmm. like coach vacates their position, thirty day window for all of the roster to hit the transfer portal. Sark's got unique connections at Washington, at Alabama, and at Arizona. Um, because of the coach he just hired as his co-DC. So all those spots, right, it's just it's free agency there because the players have 30 days to get in the transfer portal. So Sark could end up acquiring some of those pieces as well. But Jabbar Muhammad, all-conference corner from Washington, that is another target they're looking at. And don't forget about interior D-line. They lost Bo Davis, maybe the best interior D-line coach in the country. And because of that, you've seen a couple of players, that one player, Deontay Robinson, ask out of his letter of intent, and you just lost uh, Tavondre Sweat and Moore Ojimo. They might try to go in interior D-line in the portal as well, if they can find it. But you know, it's tough to find high-level interior line play in the transfer portal. I ain't no doubt about that. All right. Uh, we need him get around all the studs that are leaving for the NFL, at least with eligibility remaining. Uh, Rod, appreciate your time, friend. We will have back on soon. Thank you. All right. Thank you, brother. Anytime. Rod Babers. They lost. Like, go look at the list. Am I right about that? There's a lot of things that used to be a lot more than they are now. Um, underclassmen to the draft, that list is out. Not much attention paid to it. We saw individual announcements. Caleb Williams, made, well, who didn't know? Caleb Williams is going to announce for the draft. So it wasn't a whole lot. I'm talking about the entire list and there are a lot of kids that could have benefited by another year in college football and part of the reason this list isn't as extensive and I I know this is true part of the reason the list isn't extensive as it used to be is because you still have the same number of draft picks 256 and that will fluctuate every year based on compensatory and whatever else um but you have kids that may be on the fringe and depending on their position, they can really get paid uh, to stay in college for another season. Now that kind of money doesn't change anything for Caleb Williams or Drake may, for instance, or probably even Dallas Turner. Uh, but for a running back, maybe who wants one more chance to shine versus having to go over to the NFL or a wide receiver and a brand new system in one more year. And I can get paid and Keon Coleman and look at him. Uh, yeah, all that can happen. Now, if you're Brock Bowers going to go top 10 or top five, it's different, but, uh, this list is not as deep as it used to be. What are your plans for your business this year? Hey, it's Tug. Do you want to expand and grow? Aren't you exhausted by going to lenders, building a relationship, and a week later, you got a new person to deal with? You have to start all over again? You don't have that with First Liberty Building and Loan. The Frost family has been helping businesses grow since the 90s, and they want to know you. 
Unlike big banks, they want to partner with you. The Frost family knows the patterns. They know the ebbs and flows. They know business. Get to know them at FirstLibertyGA.com. Building a building? Buying a building? Buying a franchise? Expanding? Reach out to them. Spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a fit for them and if they're a fit for you. You do that at FirstLibertyGA.com. And by the way, if you're a young banker and want to work with a team that is faith-friendly and has a culture of excellence, First Liberty might be a good match. Reach out to them today. First Liberty Building and Loan. FirstLibertyGA.com. That's FirstLibertyGA.com. Catch the king of college football no matter where you go with a new Southern Sports Today app. Catch the best college football conversation in the South everywhere with the SST live stream and daily podcast. Downloaded now at the App Store and the Google Play Store. Now more of the best college football talk in the country. It's the Chuck Oliver Show. All week, all year, it's all college football, nine states and 66. Thank you all for making that happen. If we DeLorean back about a decade and a half, I may be off a year or two, but there was a kid at Auburn I was a big fan of, a kid named Pat Sims, and he had been out of a high school down in Fort Lauderdale Dillard, which had been an Auburn thing for years. And he's this big, giant kid and came to Auburn, and he played some. And then his junior year, he looked like Godzilla walking out of the ocean scaring people. Like halfway through his season, he was going to the NFL – and it was a big deal. Oh, he's leaving for the NFL. Folks, the NFL announced their list yesterday of co- folks leaving early. Nobody even paid attention to it anymore. It used to be like groundbreaking, put it on your calendar. Oh, the list is out. And nobody even pays attention to it anymore. I want to welcome on right now. Uh, we were talk about other things going on at Auburn because I don't think they had anybody on the list, but they got players leaving, coming for other reasons. Uh, from Auburn Undercover, it's Jason Caldwell. Jason, welcome. How are you, man? I'm good, Chuck. How about you? No, I'm doing pretty good. Appreciate you coming on. Um, let's talk about uh, Auburn's roster influx. We'll get to the coaches in a minute. Um, where do they stand right now as far as transfer portal and particular positions that Coach Freeze has obviously wanted to drill down on? And I say Coach Freeze because it's kind of him. It's neither of the coordinators from last year. So where are they in the portal pendulum as of January 16th? Yeah, you know, it's, they, honestly, there's not a whole lot left for them. And first of all, there's not a, there's not a ton of time. You know, they, you know, they talk about these 30 day windows yep. for rosters, but school's already started for most of these folks, and so it's hard to to you, you know you might you might have a few days here or there. I think Auburn they probably could squeeze another week or so, uh, and I think they'd probably try to add a couple of guys depending on who goes in the portal. Um, but um, I think you look at Auburn and you go, you know, got some secondary help with with Jaron Thompson, who's a safety commit yep. from, from Texas. Um, they got some defensive line help already. Uh, they added an offensive tackle. They've done a couple of those pieces there. I wouldn't be surprised to see them continue to try to add maybe a, another piece or two in the secondary. They got some young, really talented guys. But if you could add a little bit more back there, because you know you're losing, you know, four starters and four guys that played a ton of football, and so I think that's probably the the one spot you look at and going see if they can help out there. Obviously, you know, if if you know a stud defensive lineman says, hey, I'm I'm more to come, then you know, you probably find room for that guy as well because they're hard oh, to yeah. find. But, yeah, there's not a whole lot left for them other than just maybe a couple of pieces here or there. Will you clear this up for me? Because I kind of was talking earlier in the program. I always say until I see it from the kid of the school, uh, I'm not going to announce things. Um, 
When did Robbie Ashford did eventually officially enter the portal, but then he also exited, correct? Give me the timeline because everybody was like, yep, Ashford's going to portal. And then I kept looking and I didn't see it get official until, was it around Christmas? Yeah. Um, yeah. He, I mean, he, I don't know if he exited the portal or not, uh, but he did. I mean, he did. Yeah. He went in the portal and he's taken, I think he visited. Uh, Utah, I think there was another school or two that he might have visited. Yeah, he has Yeah, he has been in the portal and, and, and will find another home. Oh, okay. All right, so that's done then. Like I said, I, I had kept looking when the portal first opened and after championship weekend, and then it wasn't official, wasn't official, but everybody knew it was going to happen, and so then it did. Um, all right, so let's talk about the coaching changes. Um what specifically, everybody knows Philip Montgomery, and so I want to run the offense. That was my, and, and he should, and he's Hugh Free, so go do the offense, man. Um, what about Ron Roberts? What was the reason for him departing? Um, just I heard a poor fit maybe from the beginning. Yeah, I think it's more of, um, I won't necessarily say philosophy. I, I think it was more, yeah, just just sometimes just guys don't fit together and mesh together, and I think it was more of that than anything uh, and so um, that's not an unusual thing in year one of a coaching change, especially in this day and age, because you have to throw guys together so quick. And that's why you look at look at Kalen DeBoer. I think it's one of the reasons why. Hey, I'm going to go go get guys I'm familiar with and comfortable with. I think that's I think that's part of him. Um, you know, Hugh Freeze last year, you go like, hey, we got to throw everybody together, try to get you know as, as much done as quickly as possible, and. Um, and then you reevaluate things. And we talked to him in Nashville before the bowl game. He said, look, I don't think I've ever gotten it exactly right in year one. Um, and I think that was a hint that, hey, that, you know, we got we got to kind of fix some things and move some things around. And um, it's not unusual. Nick Saban changed both coordinators after year one at Alabama. Heck, they changed coordinators about every year or so up there uh, with guys moving around too. And as long as your core beliefs are the same and, you get good players, then uh, that's the days of staff staying together for 20, 25 years are, are long, long gone. There is no more Mickey Andrews. Wrapping up, Jason Caldwell, Auburn Undercover. That's 247. Um, all right, so just fill in anything, any details that are important here. I saw Charles Kelly get hired, but no real title, and now he's co-defensive coordinator and will be helping with the secondary. Now, the weird thing to me is – I think I actually did see it announced that Wesley Griff, uh, McGriff was at Texas A&M, and now he's back. Um, tell me how that happened from New Year's Eve to now. Yeah, it, it, it can – well, we, we almost saw, you know, Travis Robinson leave Alabama for Georgia, yeah, and yeah. they tried to hire him back. Um, yeah, Wesley McGriff was one where, yeah, he, he got – I know he was on the the official coaching thing at, at A&M um, – but you know how these things go. You basically go, hey, sign a little agreement to go and, and be able to recruit and go on a road. But it's not necessarily a contract hasn't really started yet. And so that's why these things kind of work. So there's a little uh, binding agreement. Hey, you're here. Let's roll. You don't really have time to sit down and, and, and flesh out an entire contract right away. And for Auburn, they're like, hey, um, you know, we'd like you to stay. We feel like there's a place to fit here along with – um, Charles Kelly, and uh, you know we'll see. Like I said, the individual roles. What happens? Charles Kelly's got to can coach the secondary, can coach linebackers. Uh, a lot of that will depend on how you finish off the staff, you know, and what coordinator you hire, and, and what he wants to do. 
And so on the offensive side of the ball, who do you have a name? Who's going to be added on uh, on defense before we switch over? Yeah, defense. Yeah, defense is still. I think still waiting. Obviously, there's some names out there that we've heard. Um, Chris Kiffin's a name we've heard, but the Houston Texans are still playing. He's a linebacker coach there. Um, you know, DJ Durkin's a name that's been thrown around some. A guy that's kind of rehabilitated and, and really good defensive coach and has been at a couple of different SEC schools here recently. Um, those are a couple of names about there, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a name kind of off the off the radar a little bit too. Um, you know, considering that you know the you know they've had a little time to look at this one offensively. I still believe that. That you know, Derek Nix is the, the candidate. Can can you get him away from Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss? Uh, that'll be the that'll be the question. Uh, I think we'll know something pretty quickly on that. And then uh, Ken Austin will move from off the field on the field to be a quarterback coach and a veteran guy that's been heck, he's been a head coach and an offense coordinator oh, yeah. at CFL and, and schools. And so um, I think that would be the the at least the way I would lean right now. Yeah, Ken Austin, I mean, he goes back so far. He's not old school. He's Old Testament. I mean, he's he was a starting quarterback like early to mid-80s in the SEC, so that's way, way back. Uh, quick off-field, if you have some information, Sarah Land, I know you got folks down there. Uh, Ryan Williams, has he announced anything? Is there a timeline? Is it going to be signing day? No, yeah. yeah, no, it's going to be February 9th. It's going to be his birthday, so he told us that. Uh, even I think right when he announced that he was going to reclassify, it was February 9th was always the goal he was shooting for. And now he's trying to squeeze in five visits here in a matter of, you know, four weeks or so. So he's been, been busy. He's already been at A&M. Supposed to be at, I think, Texas, Alabama this week. Um, you know, obviously still got Auburn there. Um, so there's some, there's a lot of schools in the mix. Can Georgia get in the mix? Um, it's going to be really interesting to watch. But, yeah, there's a, there's a whole lot of people trying to get in. And, you know, I had folks, you know, ask me, said, you think it helped um, when Nick Saban retired? I said, honestly, I don't. I think it made it more difficult for Auburn's chances because um, before I think it was just strictly Auburn-Alabama. And now I think you've had a bunch of other schools jump into the mix now that they feel like, hey, that we got a legit shot. And so I think it's only uh, increased the competition. Uh, Perry Thompson, you look at him and you're like, good Lord, he's huge. Um, what can Ryan Williams sort of grow into? Cause he's probably 40, 45 pounds lighter. And by the way, any size work, I saw Mark Heath Cooper have a career. Um, but, but what about Ryan? What do you see him growing into? Or is this it? Yeah, no, I think, I mean, you look at, at even right now, Devontae Smith's the guy that won a Heisman trophy and the was lighting up guys in the NFL this year and probably weighs 185 pounds soaking wet. Um, I think Ryan Williams would be a similar type guy. I think he'd be a little bit bigger than that, um, but he'll be a similar type guy where you put him in the slot, move him around. Um, he has a way of avoiding hits, much like Devontae Smith. He's not one of those guys that goes in there and, and, and tries to run through guys. Uh, he, but he could, he's physical, and he'll play that way. But, yeah, I think more along the lines of a guy that's going to be a you know, 185, 190-pound wide receiver um, just using his speed and, and quickness and athleticism in a game now that you can find ways to use those guys. All right, brother. I appreciate the input. Thank you, Jason. Thanks, Chuck. Appreciate it. Jason Caldwell, Auburn Auburn to cover 247. So, skill players aplenty. And I mean, whether it's athletes, whether it is running backs, wide receivers, a bunch of, bunch of kids um, that Auburn is trying to bring in and really change the way they do things offensively um even after a year of the transfer portal and hugh freeze their wide receivers my goodness 
Um, it's just not something that you look at and you don't see an SEC unit there. Um, you saw, I remember Coy Moore coming over and he was going to be a legit SEC receiver and he started and he played and, and whatever. Uh, but he was never really an impact guy and he was supposed to be. And the fact that he was supposed to be uh, kind of alarmed to me. It's like LSU now not being able to get on the field at LSU. A lot of people, oh, I couldn't get on the field. It was a log jam at wide receiver. no. No, like four or five or six play. If you're like Josh Heupel and you have four receivers in your normal set, four play unless somebody gets hurt. That's how he kind of likes to do it. That's not how most – you can get numbers. You can get some run at wide receiver. And so, oh, I just couldn't get any log jam. Okay. Well, at Auburn there wasn't. Demetrius Robertson, who I said, really great kid, apparently very, very smart, was going out to Cal Berkeley because Stanford – the I think it was five 10-page essays that he had to write, and that's why he didn't sign on signing day, and then he goes out to Cal for years. Then Georgia, like in all of this, he played really good football as a true freshman, and then he didn't he could run fast in a straight line. He started at Auburn, and they featured him especially early, which I think was maybe a little payoff. Hey, if you come here, I promise you, you will get some numbers. It's been a minute. Even when they had Seth Williams and Anthony Schwartz. They had two guys that wound up in the NFL or in the CFL at least. And because I think I think Seth is in the I can't swear where either of them is today, but they both played a lot. And since they left Auburn, they weren't overly impactful at Auburn. There were moments. The Oregon thing and the reverses and those look good. But think about the last time that you looked around and you were like, wow, there's big, long SEC-looking receivers everywhere on this offense. I don't know, like the 2014 Iron Bowl. I think that was the night Nick Marshall and the offense put up like in the mid-40s and probably 500 yards offense. They lost by double digits. It might have been 55-44 or something close to that. And I mean, it was bombs away all night. And so they had receivers, Sammy Coates and whoever. But it was not since then. Man, really, really tough at wide receiver. And it has not been changed over. So they have some big, giant freshmen coming in. And then they have got like Cam Coleman, 6'3", 180 pounds. Um, but size can just be a thing at wide receiver. I would love for you to be, I mentioned earlier, Calvin Johnson. Who was it yesterday? Aurelius Ben. I would love for you to be that guy. Go look up Aurelius Ben. Big, tall, long receiver. Uh, you can be trending holiday, and there's a role for you. I promise. All right, we're going to break. Come back. Uh, we will wrap up this Tuesday next. Always college football time in the South. Now back to more of the king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. About my third year, maybe second year at Florida, as in lunchtime we always worked out, and Coach Spurrier was down in the locker room getting ready to get his workout in at noon, and and he said, you know what, Bobby? He goes, one of these days I'm going to leave here. He goes, you're going to have to think, do you want to be the guy to replace the guy? And I was like, you know what? He started thinking about it. I go, that's a tough task. Bob Stoops. 
who used to have the other whistle in Gainesville. I have an opinion about Steve Spurrier as a head coach, but I'll get to Bob Stoops talking about Kalen DeBoer now. He's following the guy. Ray Perkins played wide receiver at Alabama, former varsity letterman, helped him win a national championship as a player, left the NFL to come back. Uh, you know what he did a few years later? Left Alabama to go back to the NFL. Heath, I have an opinion about Steve Spurrier and how he ran a program. Like, if you were, for instance, specifically the defensive coordinator, here are the keys, man. You drive it. You you go do you. Is that accurate, or did Steve Spurrier have to have his fingers in every pie? No, 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 100%. What Spurrier wanted was he wanted somebody who allowed him to focus on drawing up plays, calling plays, working with his quarterbacks. You take care of the other side of things, however you need to staff it, however you want it. It was as close to letting someone be a head coach of one side of the ball as you got at a major program. And so Bob Stoops was that guy, and then Bob Stoops became an actual head coach. Now, there is the extreme case, and I had mentioned this a couple of months ago, and Heath confirmed this, that uh, he was being just grilled one day, Spurrier, after a loss, or maybe it was a win. I don't know. But the defense had not played very well, and he's like, I don't know. I don't call the defense. Get, And he sent, like, a staffer to go get the D.C. and bring him into the press conference correct uh, it was ron cooper the secondary coach and yeah Yikes. yeah they were asking about the dbs and and he's like, and he's like i don't well, do go it get ron <laughs> wowzers uh so so there's the there's the full picture of him giving you all the responsibility he literally and he was being he's like i don't know i don't coach him uh go get the secondary coach let's bring him in so that was always a possibility. How's uh, how's the Tuesday going, Heath? Well, a couple of things here, Chuck. One, uh, I would just uh, say if you are somebody who was asking about Robbie Ashford as you were in the last segment, I would say keep an eye on South Carolina as a possibility for that. Uh, Ashford is somebody I know they've been sniffing around, so yeah. very possible that could turn out to be a landing spot. Also, uh, for what it's worth, with that San Jose State job opening up, uh, Andy Staples saying that uh, Dante Williams of Georgia, who is a recent addition on the staff there that they got from the Trojans, uh, might be an external candidate for that job. They could promote from within, but if they don't, that they might have their eye on Dante Williams. I I don't think Kirby Smart would have any difficulty replacing him if he needed to on that staff with another high-quality coach, but it it would be interesting for them to lose a guy that they were pretty excited about for recruiting purposes, bringing Mm -hmm. him uh, to San Jose State as, again, the dominoes just keep falling all these different ways around the sport. And you're also finding out what guys are willing to do right now. Um, you know, I've always said there's a job and there's the job. Colorado State, I've always viewed, like I'll say, the past five, six, seven years. To me, Colorado State is like the tipping point. San Jose State is a job. Penn State is the job. What's Colorado State to you? Isn't it the tipping point? Like, it's either the last job you're willing to take or the best job you may ever get. Yeah, it's, it's one of those jobs that, that you could be happy in if you needed to be. Yes. But at the same time, if you do well there, the odds are better that you'll probably get an opportunity somewhere else. But if all you did was live the rest of your life well compensated in Fort Collins, Colorado, there are worse things that have happened to men through the years. Yes, yeah, Sonny had a good existence out there. I'm sure he had blessed life. One thing, by the way, also from the transfer portal, or more specifically out of the transfer portal, you kind of knew this. When over the weekend, the word came down that Miami had convinced Cameron Ward to transfer to them after he had announced on New Year's he was going pro. 
Uh, he was, after all of that, not, I guess, in the draft, pulled his name out or never put his name in in the first yeah, place. Yeah, yesterday was the deadline for that. Yeah, well, the thing yeah. is, even after that, though, you still have three days that you could take your name out as long as you haven't formally signed yep. with uh, an agent and taken money, apparently, from them to be a full-fledged representative. It, again, that sounds ridiculous in NIL, I know, but there is a way for three days, even after the 15th deadline, that you could still pull out. However it happened, uh, Talia Tagovailoa is in the draft, and he's in the draft uh, because apparently the gambit of, well, we'll have two of the Tagovailoas together in Miami, it's not happening. And once they took Cam Ward, you kind of knew it wasn't happening. There would be no reason for them to make all that effort to get Cam Ward down there or for him to say he was going to then also take the second Tagovailoa. And so uh, that being the case, no surprise. And it's good. I, I like this, Chuck, just because the rules still do have to have some meaning. And, and the facts are... Yes, we are looking at guys who are seven and, in some cases, eight-year players right now thanks to COVID and injury waivers. Truth. Uh, in the case of Talia Tagovailoa, it was, well, he played in five, but he didn't play that much in the five. And, yeah, they kind of put him out there because his brother got hurt. They were trying to be nice. So that shouldn't count. It's like, no, no, there, something has to count at some point. There has to be some rule that actually means something. So it's nothing against the kid, but I'm glad that finally there was some standard that apparently – couldn't just be overcome with, yeah, but I don't want to, though. Five is not much more than four. Was that about the, the the gist of the presentation? It's not a whole lot more than four? If you added them all together, they didn't make four full games. So really, is anything other than four full games, four full games? It just, there, there had to be a limit. And, yeah. and finally, we found, it appears where it is so i don't know how good uh, talia tagovailoa's draft stock is going to be but uh, but he is going to be in that draft and we'll see how that goes and miami's got their guy in cam ward and we'll see what that looks like too yeah it, it appears that uh you know the don't pass line is what came up here and man what a gamble now it didn't hurt maryland much but um it was a strategic play from a family that has made strategic plays. And by the way, it paid off. They got a top 10 draft pick with the quarterback. And now he's, uh, when he's healthy, flinging around the NFL and having fun. And it's a great offense to watch. Um, but that's been a family that's been very strategic about things. And so this was one of those moves. And it, to this point, didn't work out as far as getting another year of eligibility and playing college football. Now... We'll have to work out in the draft. All right, wraps it up today. Uh, 22 hours from now, back with more. Is this the year you want to grow your business? Do you want to expand your team? Build a new office? Hey, it's Tug, and I want to tell you about First Liberty Building and Loan. Aren't you exhausted by going to lenders, building a relationship, and a week later, you're dealing with a new person? You won't have to with First Liberty Building and Loan. The Frost family has been helping businesses grow since the 90s, and they can help you too. They know the patterns, they know the ebbs and flows, and they know business. Now the Frost family wants to know you. FirstLibertyGA.com. Buying a building, building a building, buying a franchise, or expanding. Reach out and spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a fit for them and if they're a fit for you. FirstLibertyGA.com. By the way, if you're a young banker and you want to work with a team that's faith-friendly with a culture of excellence, First Liberty might be a good match. Reach out to First Liberty Building and Loan at FirstLibertyGA.com. That's FirstLibertyGA.com. 